Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports Scope. I'm your host, Robert Butler. Did not expect the um, all the links to get on so quickly today. Um, let me adjust my. Okay, looks like you guys can see me a little bit better there on Periscope. Uh, welcome to Sports Scope. I'm your host, Robert Butler. I, uh, like I say every day. Particularly on Fridays, if I get in late, everybody, I will get the program done on Saturday. And quite frankly, I feel better on Saturdays because I'm rested and uh, I've got everything prepared. I may actually change this uh, from a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday program because I feel like more refreshed and I've got a little bit more research done. I'm going to talk about this Wilder fight. I don't claim to be a expert in boxing. For those of you who've watched me over the years, know that more late, mainly I'm a football guy. I follow the NFL. I'll break down the NFL. I'll break down uh, fantasy and everything. Talk a little NBA, college football as well. But this particular fight, I started hearing a buzz about it on Monday and started listening to the interviews and everything. And it really reminds me of the the most hyped of. Uh, heavyweight fight since Tyson, Mike Tyson, and Lennox Lewis back in 2002. Got a personal story about that particular fight. I'll get to that. But first, this is an NFL show primarily. And I do want to talk about this new collective bargaining agreement, which I do think that will get signed. I don't think there'll be a lockout from everything I've read over the last few days. Uh, But I do want to put in my wishes for the NFL going forward. And I do get a lot of ears and eyes uh, that listen and watch this program. Andy Dalton's wife watched this program the other day. Uh, Antonio Brown's watched this program. I have his ear. I would like to get the commissioner Roger Cadell's ear and uh, get him going uh, for my proposal, which is very simple, very, very not, not radical. I'll get to that here in a little bit. But first, um, let's go over this. I got this from ESPN, printed this off today, the latest on the collective bargain agreement. This is from, uh, like I said, this is from ESPN here. Dan Graziano, NFL Players Association, tends to hold a vote on its full body of players to propose a collective bargain agreement next week. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the NFL has uh, – made their their uh, proposal. It's already been leaked out to the public and everything. We all know mainly the biggest thing was the uh, got my attention was going from seven, 16 to 17 games and having only one bye week. Um, did not like a little bit of that as far as putting these lower ends and adding more teams to the playoffs and everything. But I do like the fact that the one – uh, one bye week and uh, one team with a bye per conference instead of two. I think that's pretty interesting. But I'll get into that a little bit deeper here in just a few minutes. The NFL has agreed to meet with the Players Association on Tuesday at the Scouting Combine uh, in Indianapolis. So looks like they're going to get a meeting done here. Uh, highlighted a few more things from this ESPN store. Earlier Friday, the NFL's Player Association executive voted six to five not to recommend the proposal as first reported by the NFL Network. 
according to the NFL Players Association memo released Thursday, here are some key proposals that player reps and union executives council will weigh in on. The elimination of any game suspension strictly for marijuana test, a reduction in number of players subjected to marijuana test, a gambling definition that ensures players receive a portion of gambling revenue brought by the league. Okay, you're worried about NFL marijuana test. Two of those three, throw that out, okay? If you are dumb enough to smoke marijuana in the NFL knowing that you're going to be tested and making seven figures, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Throw that out. Let's worry about health insurance. Uh, I did do some research on that. It, as of right now, it's it's five years post-career. Let's worry about that. Stop taking up for your knuckleheads. Okay, sorry, that just kind of grinds my gears. Uh, nothing against people who use medical marijuana or anything of that nature. I understand all that. I understand the laws in this country. Uh, you got It's legal in most states. I get it. But that's the dumbest thing. That's the least of your worries. Stop worrying about the idiots in the NFL. Okay? Now, this other thing, gambling definitions that ensures players receive a portion of gambling revenue brought by the league, that's legitimate. This is a gambling sport. Uh, they're, they're being more um, not in NASCAR today. I, did, I do have some posts, though, about the NASCAR thing I talked about the other day, guys. Going into the NFL thing, I'm going to break down this fight because I feel like it's one of the ages. It's going to be a classic. Not a big boxing fan, but I will get into that. Uh, but um, so, yeah, gambling definitions. Yeah, I understand that. Like I said, uh, the TV networks are now posting uh, point spreads, over and unders. Uh, I'm a big fantasy player, daily fantasy player. I think that uh, that's a big deal. I think there's a lot of money coming in to the NFL for that. So I'm totally okay with the players getting a piece of that pie. And this story says, sources say ESPN's Adam Shepard, if the proposal will be a game roster, uh, they want to extend the rosters uh, from 46 to 48. Uh, that's on the field. And then the overall roster, 53 to 55. Maybe even go a little bit farther than that. Uh, teams will be allowed to bring back three players from into revert. Okay, instead of just one, I'm okay with that as well. Uh, sources previously told ESPN that the CBA will allow the league to expand the regular season 16 to 17. Perfectly fine with that within the next four years. No sooner than 2021. Hopefully 2021. More football, the better. In addition to uh, starting the 2020 playoff with expansion teams uh, with one team only receiving a bye week. Okay. I like that. I did. Now, like I said on the uh, program the other day when this first came out, I wasn't a big fan of seeing eight and eight teams play. Uh, that's a watered down. The, that's part of the issue here. But I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over one team having a bye week per comp, one team in the AFC, one team in the NFC having that bye week. Why? Because week 16 and 17, for all you fantasy players, a friend of mine, this guy always calls me right at when I do my show on Saturdays. Um, anyways, they do the uh, – that's going to be very, very competitive. I mean, week 16, for all you fantasy folks out there, for all of you that have draft leagues, all you fantasy commissioners, listen up. 
Don't end your season in week 16. End your season week 17. That's more strategy. That's more fantasy. That's more games that will be of value, okay? If you uh, have just one one seed per conference, that's going to make week 16 and 17. That's better for uh, revenue for the NFL, uh, better for owners, better for advertisement, uh, better for TV networks, and ultimately better for the players and fans. That is a win-win situation for all of the above with the um, with that one bye week. And uh, so so I'm, I'm totally okay with that. But I did want to – I did read some stuff from SB Nation. This article kind of got my interest here. I was reading over here. This guy says um, – this is from SB Nation. I, I apologize. I did not get. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jill, uh, Jill, uh, Jill Schwartz. I'm probably butchering his name. He's the writer, retired NFL lineman, uh, Jeff Schwartz from SB Nation. Outlines a few areas he would like to sing about the CBA proposal. This was at four o'clock on Friday. This is interesting. He says, uh, it's unrealistic from the start to expect full health coverage for life after your playing days are over. No company would underwrite that. He said the current rule, there's no such things to go through. The proposing NFL players still have to vote on it, which has been delayed until next week. I'll continue to update you as father. Now uh, he says, however, I'm hoping to see a tired system, which players play a few more years, more years of post-career retirement. Right now, it's at five years on your own health insurance. Then you're on your own health insurance. So I agree with him. You want to push that health insurance as farther back as you can. Maybe push for 10. Uh, come at at 7. Um, I'm an empathetic person. I know these guys are human beings. I enjoy watching them busting their heads and going into each other, but I don't want to see, I know these guys have families, they live in our communities, everybody, they're human beings, they're not cartoon characters, uh, I'm all about safety, I talked on Monday about that Ron Newman crash the other day, and now Ron Newman's out walking around because NASCAR took it serious after the death of Dale Earnhardt, that, um, you know, if you don't have stars, you don't have a league, okay, if you don't have players, you don't have a league, you definitely want these guys to get – now, I'll say this. They're also talking about lowering the uh, the hits. Uh, they've already took that step forward in practice in, in these training camps and everything. So that's getting to a better minimum. They're, they're, they're taking this helmet-to-helmet stuff very serious, that CTE very serious. So I think the future is wide open, like Tom Petty would say. I think it is um, it's getting safer. More technique football is being uh, teached at the younger levels. And, uh, you know, with, with the NFL doing this, I do think that uh, everything is looking good for going forward. So I'm not really, um, really ticked off about going to 18 games. More football, the better. If these guys are more conditioned, uh, there's less uh, hitting, uh, but more technique. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. But I still have my list of what I want from the NFL going forward as a fan of the league who follows and pays attention to my uh, the team I follow and, and for anybody else that follows their team uh, as far as like um, 
like following your salary cap, wanting to get a good player, wanting to keep your players on the roster. How can you do that? Okay. First of all, never been a big fan of the Thursday night football. Uh, it's gotten better. I will say that. Uh, I think teams have adjusted really well to Thursday night football games. I said this a, a few years ago. A lot of the former NFL players have said this. Why don't you simply put the extra buys in, especially if you want to go to 18 games? They're talking about 17. They really want to go to 18, okay? Uh, put the buy in before you play that game. You play the game on Thursday, and then you have a mini buy after that. So uh, that's that's more rest for the players. So I like that. Put the extra buy in, uh, and you can push the, like I said, it's a perfectly good find to push it to 18 games, okay? The Super Bowl. So if, if you want a longer season, push the regular season, push the Super Bowl back to President's Day, which is around the 17th of, of February, okay? If you want to push it forward and, and do that, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. You can add it in and maybe keep three preseasons and, and, and two extra regular seasons, or if you want to go two and two, Push it into that. Uh, this gives you room to add the bye weeks in there, add the extra bye week in there for your Thursday games. I'm perfectly fine with that, okay? Uh, franchise player. Okay. Have one franchise player that does not count against the salary cap. We know that's likely going to go to the quarterback, but, hey, your team may – your best player may be the left tackle. You may have a Ray Lewis type of situation where your middle linebacker is your best player. Either way – that one player per year does not count against the salary cap. If you have to pay a guy $50 million, and uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, $50 million a year, you pay a Patrick Mahomes $50 million a year. Take out that. Have the one franchise player uh, per year, uh, per team, that does not count against the salary cap. Okay? Uh, the other thing. For all of you people that work for a living like I do, I work 60, uh, uh, closer to, to, to 60 uh, to 70 hours a week. That's my day job. For Sportscope, you add that in there, you uh, you add two to three hours prep time, plus I'm on the on the air about 45 minutes. So you start adding that up, you're, we're talking uh, 70 to 80 hours a week. Okay, on Sunday night, I don't want to be up late on Sunday night and have to be uh, at, at work at, at 6.30, 7 a.m. the next morning, still fired up about the football game. Put the Super Bowl on a Saturday night. I know you're worried about ratings and stuff. This is a big appointment. The Super Bowl is appointment TV. A former president said, I think it was George Bush, the, the second, the son. He says, I planned my whole day around the Super Bowl. I've always planted my Sunday afternoon around the Super Bowl. Okay, it, you can start it later. You can start the Super Bowl at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you put it on a Saturday night, you're, you're going to get uh, prime time on the West Coast. Why not put the Super Bowl on a Saturday night? You're going to get the ratings. People that go out on Saturday nights, they'll go out early. They'll come in later. Because, and it'll be on all the bars. It'll be on people's TV. Put the Super Bowl on a Saturday night. How hard does that have to be, Okay. Franchise player, one player does not count against the salary cap. I'm okay with the hard cap. I like a good, solid, competitive league. I'm cool with that. Uh, put the extra bye weeks in because of the Thursday games. Push the Super Bowl back to 
President's Day. I'm okay with that. And 18 games is perfectly fine with me. So those are my recommendations of the NFL going forward. If I had to pick one, put the Super Bowl on a Saturday night, okay? We all have to work. Most of us do not work the weekends. Uh, I've worked the weekends for several years. I understand that, but you can put it later and people have time to go in. I'm going to make it to church the next day. I'll be, but you know, uh, there's a statistic on, uh, there, 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 there's millions and millions and millions, probably billions of dollars lost in revenue in this country because people call out on Monday after the Super Bowl, particularly for teams that uh, of the winning town and whatnot. So be realistic. Uh, let's use some common sense, Roger Cadell, NFL Players Association, NFL owners, everybody involved. Let's put the Super Bowl on a Saturday night, okay? All righty, then. Let's get into Tyson... Perry and Deontay Wilder. Ever, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the program, I am not a big. Um, let me change this over because I'm, I'm gonna be very long winded when I get into this fight. Here we go. Not a big boxing fan, but this particular fight's been talked about all week, and I, I looked at it. Uh, I did not watch Tyson Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder one. I watched a lot of the highlights on YouTube. I scanned through it and I got a little bit of history there. Listen to, I'm going to play some sound bites here in a few minutes of, um, of this, uh, build up for this fight. Uh, a few interviews and everything from the other, uh, from, from both fighters, a few sound bites there from, uh, speak for yourself to Colin Coward. ESPN and Fox both are covering this equally as far as the promotion of this fight. But uh, from about Wednesday until today, today, Saturday, the night of the fight, uh, I thought to myself, this is the biggest fight for me personally since uh, Tyson, Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis and in June of uh, 2002, fought in Memphis, Tennessee. And ironically, I was living in New York City at the time. Dan Raphael from ESPN has the same uh, he has the same opinion. He said this is the biggest fight since 2002, Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson. Um, okay, personal story. Okay, story time. June 8, 2002. I was living in New York City. Uh, I was working security uh, for New York City. I worked for Nine West 57th Street building. Uh, for those of you who live up there, it's huge. It's right over Central Park. It corners Fifth Avenue, the Fifth Avenue, and I work for a security company called Wack and Hut Security. He's a building security guy, and I was called to do overtime plus twenty dollars an hour plus overtime. It was a lot of money for me then uh, to work the uh, the Belmont Stakes was that same. There's a very big sports day on June eight, which is also my mother's birthday uh, in two thousand two. War emblem was going for the Triple Crown, for those of you who may not remember. I worked the track that day. Uh, I got there early, and I worked security there for the track all day, for all the races, uh, even the excitement up to War Emblem. I was one of those people who was not going to let, supposedly, I I'm glad the guy didn't win because I not know what was going to happen. Uh, I, I was supposed to hold the crowd back from rushing the infield if War Emblem would have won the Triple Crown. Remember, 
uh, prior to that, an American Pharaoh, uh, there hasn't been a Triple Crown winner since affirmed in 1978. This is the day of the fight, Tyson Lennox Lewis, back in June 8, 2002. So uh, had a really good day there. Uh, worked late into the afternoon, around 6 p.m. Eastern time at that time. Uh, my security a supervisor there, he, he gave me a ride home to my apartment in New York City. Uh, I had bet uh, two uh, good friends of mine that I worked with $50 a piece. So I was out possibly $100 there. It was a, a, a for two guys I worked with. These guys are from New York. They're big Mike Tyson fans. I love Mike Tyson. I told him, I said, guys, I love Mike Tyson too. But Mike struggles with uh, uh, players with the long reach, like a Lennox Lewis. He's slower. He does not have the proper training that he did back when we all thought that they should have fought, which was before the rape uh, conviction, allegations, all that. In, in the early, early 90s, like 92, 93, I think it would have been a much better fight. I, I would have probably picked Mike Tyson to win that fight then rather than a Lennox Lewis. So I was telling my friends, I said, guys, 50 bucks. I, I guarantee I think Lewis is going to, he's going to out jab Tyson and probably beat him in about the eighth to 10 round. And I want to say they end up beating Tyson, knocking Tyson out or winning by decision in the 10th round. Either way, uh, that particular night, June 8, 2002, um, just a few months away from my 21st birthday, I was $100 richer. I uh, made a lot of money uh, doing the overtime uh, for the uh, War, in uh, War Emblem Triple Crown uh, race that day. That didn't work out for him. Had a really good time, though, that night. Uh, this is the biggest fight since that fight, in my opinion. And Dan uh, Raphael from ESPN totally agrees with me on this. So uh, breaking down this fight. Okay. Wilder was 215 in the two, uh, he's 212 and a half for the first fight. He's 6'7, uh, Fury 6'9. I didn't know he was that tall. I thought, uh, you know. Tyson Fury looks so big, you know, uh, but Wilder's not a small guy. He is 6'7". Uh, he was sick. This could probably be a big key in this fight. Tyson, uh, Deontay Wilder was sick beforehand, everybody. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. So, yeah, Tyson, um, uh, or Deontay Wilder was sick. He had lost some weight. So, apparently, he had been throwing up prior to that. And, um, excuse me, everybody. I'm trying to get this stuff to scroll down here. Um, looks like we cannot. Uh, okay, here we go. No. Okay. All right. So, anyways, I'll just look at it. I know you guys can see me anyways. As some of my, my, uh, thing is there. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, so uh, Tyson uh, Fury was 256. Now he's 273. Uh, like I said, Wilder was sick the last fight. Uh, he was a lot lighter. So that may have hurt his punching power. So that's something to, to, uh, to, to um, keep in mind. Now he's 231 and Tyson's way up to 273. That's pretty heavy, you know? So I've got some sound bites from both fighters. First, I want to go to this uh, interesting take Colin Cowherd had on Tyson Fury. Uh, interesting leading up to the fight. Listen up. This is uh, just this is just a few seconds here. Twenty-three second sound bite. 
This was Thursday, Colin Cowherd having Tyson Fury on his show, the Colin Cowherd Show. One of the things about boxing is you can often pick your opponent. He ducks nobody. He has fought in five different countries. Call him Tyson Fury. five opponents that Tyson Fury has fought have a record of 142-5-1. If there's a great fighter, he wants to fight him. It does concern me. He talked about potential retirement. That's why I agree. Okay. So this guy is not a clown. Uh, when I was watching the highlights of the first of it, uh, he looked like a clown. You know, he, he looked like he had love handles. He looked heavy. And then when I started watching the fight throughout, uh, the, the highlights, several several different highlights, more than just a few minutes here uh, on, um, on, on YouTube, I noticed this guy has a quick jab. His dad was a boxer. Uh, he, he, he come up in a boxing family. So he, he's very tactical. He doesn't look tactical. He's a very tactical fighter. Okay. Here's another soundbite of uh, Tyson Fury on with uh, Colin Cowherd Thursday. Listen up. Go in a little heavier in this fight. Why? You know, I was nice and light last time, and I boxed around the ring a lot. I was, I was looking to box and move, stick and move. This time I'm looking to take him out early, so I'll put the weight on for more power, more strength, and more brute force. Are you concerned that it makes you a little more vulnerable to get hit? Not really. In order to hit me, he has to stand right in front of me, and that standing in front of me gives me the opportunity to knock him out as well. When you fought Deontay, he's got obviously great punching power. He is a tremendous athlete. What did you yeah. learn from the first fight? You know, I learned you have to focus for the full amount of time you're in the boxing ring, 36 minutes. And with Deontay Wilder, you take your focus off him for a second, and it only takes one second for him to land a dynamite punch. Uh, he landed two dynamite punches on me in the 12 rounds, and I um, obviously went down twice. But I got back up, got right back into it. Um, and Wilder was hurt quite a lot of times in the fight with me last time. Um, but I never had enough uh, energy to finish him with a long lay layoff. I had three years out of the ring before that fight with only two low-level comeback fights. Um, I jumped straight back in the ring, and it, it maybe was too soon, but it was a dare-to-be-great move. You know, yeah, there was a long layoff there, everybody. And that's something to keep in mind uh, coming into this fight. Long layoff, coming in, and now, and he still outboxed the guy. He outboxed Wilder for uh, the majority of that fight. Wilder caught him, um, caught him blinking, uh, caught him slipping, whatever you want to say, knocked him down in the ninth round, knocked him in the 12th round. Now, uh, you know, uh, boxing uh, analysts will say, and I, I've listened to all the interviews up to this, and, I, and I'll give you some of Wilder's uh, sound bites as well on the Speak for Yourself show, uh, that he adjusted, uh, Deontay Wilder adjusted to, to, this, to this tremendous jab that this, uh, Tyson Fury guy has, and, and he timed him up, and, and, and he caught him uh, under his jaw here and knocked him down a couple times. Now, this guy can take a punch. So my thing to uh, Deontay Wilder, why you want to gain weight? Why don't you use that speed to get around that jab? This guy has a reach on you. It's not a huge reach, but he has a reach on you. Uh, guys like Mike Tyson, who always – He's five foot ten, by the way. 
I've watched him when his prime when he had his really good trainers in the 80s, uh, Motto and and his guys uh, into the early 90s before he got with Don King. Uh, he was more of a tactician. He would find a way to get up under under fighters, wear the ribs out. Of course, he had his mean left hook and everything, and he was a knockout artist, but he got close. He got up under you, wear the body out. That would be my uh, uh, strategy if, and that, and that very well may be that. Maybe these guys are both uh, signaling that they're wanting to have one strategy, we're going to have another. I hope that's the case. If I'm Deontay Wilder, you want to get under this guy because he has a reach advantage and he has a good one-two punch combination there, and he can take a hit. He's heavier now. I think he is much more prepared. Uh, I don't know if I want to have this a very close type of match here. You don't want to have a certain distance if you are a uh, – you don't want to have a clean distance away from uh, a uh, uh, Wilder uh, uh, from Fury. If you, you don't want to have that arm's length, in other words. You want this to be very close or you want to have him follow you around if you're Wilder. Why? Because this guy has a tremendous jab. He has the, he has the weight advantage. Now, this guy's a knockout artist as well, Deontay Wilder. He is a good boxer. He's undefeated, okay? So it, it, it's, it's really interesting about that. I will, um, like I said, Deontay Wilder is, is a sympathetic figure guy here. That uh, uh, he, he is a good guy. Uh, he, he's the first I heard of him a few years ago on the Paul Fumbot Show. He's from my region of the country. Uh, he's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm from here in Nashville, Tennessee area. Uh, like I said, he is a uh, very likable guy. And I do want him to play um, a 30-second soundbite on him about what he did to help Tyson Fury out. And then I'll, and I'll go into some of his uh, comments, and I'll go into my prediction and breakdown as well on the fight. Stand by. This is Deontay Wilder. A couple sound bites. This was on the Speak for Yourself show on Thursday as well, out in Vegas. That's down. You know, it's down on his shield. You know, he was he was. This is Deontay Wilder uh, talking about wanting to help Tyson Fury out because he knew Tyson Fury was a good fight. He knew it'd be good for his uh, sport overall. Very confident man. Very good person. Uh, from everything I've read and heard of Deontay Wilder, listen up on Speak for Yourself. That's down, you know, it's down on his shield. You know, he was he was overweight. You know, he was abusing himself with drugs, and he was contemplating about killing himself. And I knew he I knew he was one of the best in the division. I just didn't want to see a man like that, you know, go down in history to do so so much to, to do a great deed in boxing, and then just to destroy himself like that. So I wanted to bring him back, and not only bring him back, I wanted to give him half of the pot. And let's make the best of the, the, the remainder of boxing. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a commencement of uh, how good of a feel-good story this actually is. Both of these guys, uh, Wilder's just known as a really good person. You can't say that about a lot of boxers off the, off the the out of the ring, you know? He kind of reminds me of a George Foreman, another guy from the South, a uh, uh, very good person, um, I could see him having a business outside of boxing and being well known. I mean, you got the George Foreman grills and stuff. I think I think Wilder is um, 
uh, this is a good feel-good story for him helping Fury. Now, as far as the fighting, uh, here's another soundbite from Speak for Yourself as far as the strategy and everything on uh, Deontay Wilder on um, Tyson Fury. Correct, son. You said I have way. Like, I like him. I like him as a person. You know what I mean? I really like him as a person, as a human being. I even invited him to the other part. I, I've been planning this many years to fight him, and, and we joined it together at a after party or something and, and, and being able to commune with each other or whatever, you know, and the love on each other because we're going to do it. We release our energy in the ring, you know, all the negativity that we have amongst each other and we release it in the ring. We're going to embrace each other. We're going to love each other. Like we can say, we told each other, we love each other in the ring. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about this sport where we can have uh, so much animosity and we can bring up so many old memories and, uh, and current, you know, things that has happened in our lives. But when we release that energy amongst each other, in the ring, all that goes away. Okay, you say right hand, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second round. How much you don't like it when he said he gonna press you and knock you out in the second round? I, mean, huh? I love it. I love that. I love that because it, it, it follows it into my plan. You know what I mean? As he come forward, I don't have to do much but to bring it. Bring, bring it. Don't do that. Well, he, he mentioned about bringing his hand speed there towards the end and uh, didn't really get into too much strategy there on Deontay Wilder's uh approach to this uh like i said if i'm if i'm the six seven fighter um i don't know if i would gain weight for this fight I, like i said uh for those of you who come at the program at the beginning deontay wilder w- w- was was really light in the last fight because he got sick beforehand uh i think he should have stayed light in this fight and make this an inside out fight and Fury wants to do the opposite because he has the reach. He wants to have an Ali-type approach, an outside-in fight. So uh, as far as I've checked it, it's been back and forth. Wilder is the favorite to win this fight. Uh, but I did see a guy that Wilder reminds me of, kind of, a George Foreman type of guy. George Foreman says, and I wanted to uh, look, read this, he says, I think Fury outboxes Wilder. If Wilder is smart, he would try to win the first four rounds. He seeks the KO as a rule. Missing if Fury steals those rounds, it's all fight on points. So I think that's what's going to happen in this fight. I think I think Fury, uh, my heart, wants to go with Wilder. Uh, and that could very well happen. Uh, if it's not a uh, three, uh, a knockout by Wilder, say, in, say, round three or four, I can see uh, Fury uh, outboxing him. He did outbox him last time, okay? I can see Fury winning a decision again, and that's my prediction. I think he's going to win the decision again, as much as it hurts me to say that. uh, But I don't make picks with my heart. I did it in football. Uh, I picked Kansas City. I'm broadcasting out of here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, to, to beat the Titans to get to the Super Bowl. And um, I also picked a lot of people. I felt a lot of the national people were really leaning 49ers. I picked the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not a boxing expert. I'm just going by what I've watched. I'm going by the the background of these two particular boxers. Plus, uh, not to – it's been been kind of glossed over, I would say. Tyson Fury is three years younger than Deontay Wilder. Wilder's 34. Uh, both of these fighters are undefeated. Both have a draw on the record, and that's to each other. That's what makes this such a big fight tonight. Uh, could be wrong. 
but I'm picking Tyson Fury to win this in a decision. I think both fighters could potentially knock each other down in this ring, in this get, uh, fight, but I do expect them both to get up. Both of these are big guys, okay? Uh, you know, Fury's bigger, but tight. Like, again, Deontay Wilder, 6'7". And this other guy, Fury, is 6'9". This is great for the sport. This is great for the sports world. Uh, I did not plan to talk about this fight on Monday uh, coming into this uh, Friday or Saturday's program, but it just got so much hype. Uh, I'm going to watch the fight tonight with a good friend of mine. Uh, we're going to go to a fight party, and uh, I expect it to be a great fight. Uh, probably not going to watch too many of those undercards. They kind of get annoying after a while. Uh, I'm on the central time zone. I do go to church on Sunday, and I'm sure this is going to be over around midnight central time minimum, in my opinion, because it's going to be fought out in Vegas. So my pick is from everything I've I've heard, I think like uh, George Foreman, I think he outboxes uh, Wilder. And I do think, and I'm going to say this right now, make this prediction. It's not really a hot take. I think there will be a, a, a Tyson and Fury 3, I know, uh, or Tyson Fury. Uh, I got Mike Tyson on the mind. Uh, a Fury Wilder 3, I think this will be a very tight fight. And I think that uh, Fury, Tyson Fury wins this fight in points. And I think that uh, there will be a third one. And I think it'll be uh, it'll be hyped up like this one. Uh, you know, Ali and uh, Frazier fought three times. I want to say Riddick Bowl and Evander Holyfield fought three times. So this is going to be a um, a modern day epic battle, in my opinion. Can't wait to watch this fight. Uh, we'll pay for it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Either way, I'll be back on Monday at around 11 p.m. Central Time here on Sportscope to talk about that. Whatever's going on in the XFL um, or the NFL, whatever, maybe XFL stuff. I don't know. Uh, you know, another quick comment on that DeMarcus Cousins. I wish him a full recovery. I do think that uh, picking the other Morse twin just adds to that Laker and Clipper uh, rival there. Uh, I still think the Clippers are the better team right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched that game last night. Anthony Davis got hurt again. He came back and played well. I just don't see him matching up in a uh, seven-game series like that. Uh, we'll see how that plays out as the NBA goes into the second half of the season and into the playoffs. Uh, again, if you guys want to, uh, if you like the show, please share it. Please retweet it on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, uh, you can watch me on Periscope at our Butler 723 But, of course, you go to Sportscope hashtag. You can find it anywhere. Also, you can find me on podcast, uh, Spotify, anywhere you have your podcast, uh, you get your podcast, you can find me on there. If you want to advertise on this program, you can go to at our Butler, uh, or excuse me, at sports, uh, sports, the word sports and word scope, just like it says on the sign, S-K-O-P-E at gmail.com. Uh, I get a uh, few hundred to several thousand views. I had 4,000 views on Monday talking about that Ryan Newman crash and everything. And uh, I really appreciate that uh, growing my Facebook audience and my, uh, like I said, the Twitter audience, everybody. I greatly appreciate everything, um, all the uh, friends and family and new listeners uh, for, for uh, doing that and being faithful uh, to the program because it's not easy doing this for free for so long. I love it. 
but I, eventually at some time I've got to make some money from it because it is I'm, I'm taking away from my other jobs and money and resources to get this program off the ground, everybody. So have a good night. Enjoy the fight, everybody. Like I said, this ain't a boxing show. This is a special event. Yes. Yeah, I do think they will get a new, I do think they'll get a new CBA. Um, I'm pretty optimistic about this. Uh, go back and listen to the program at the beginning. I was talking about the players talking about marijuana suspension. Stop looking after the knuckleheads. Let's try to get these players health insurance past five years. Uh, let's let's get 16 or 17 games. Let's or 17 or 18 possibly games. And let's get some more bye weeks in there. Push the season back. Uh, put these Thursday games after a bye week. Um, and I'm okay with that one game, uh, one conference. Uh, both conferences having just one team with the bye week, but the one seed because week 16 and 17. There's more competitive football. There's not a lot of players going to be benched. I like that sense of urgency, but I'm confident it's going to get done. I do not see, uh, from what I've read, that the, the the owners want to have a league that's in disarray when they're coming up on their new TV contracts. I do not see a 2011, what I've read, uh, 11 type of situation where there is a long, long lockout or anything. And remember, they did. They only locked out during the uh, – off uh, during the uh, uh, off season, it was no no games or missed back in 2011. So uh, I'm confident things will get done, um, and I, I do want the players to get as much as they can and all that. I'm not anti. Oh, by the way, another thing. This is me personally. Uh, I think that the, there should be one player on each team, uh, one, one organization. Uh, you have one player that does not count against the salary cap, like your quarterback or whatever and put the Super Bowl on Saturday, okay? That's my CBA proposal. <laughs> so have a good have a good night, everybody. I'll be back on Monday around, I say around, give or take a few minutes, 11 p.m. Central Time here on Sports Scope. <laughs>